Please take your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, as that testimony really sets us up so well for our subject matter of the day. As we work through the book of Acts, we are striving to once again see the value in God's church, how much it cost our glorious Father when he purchased the church with Christ's own blood, and how, as God's people, we should value and honor the church. And sometimes things that become so familiar to us lose their value. We still know that there's intrinsic value there, but our appreciation for it and our desire for it sometimes wanes a bit. Um, I was reminded of that this last week as uh, I had the opportunity to take my son out for his uh, kind of his senior trip skiing in Colorado. Uh, I didn't do the skiing. I can't because of my knee, but uh, he was able to ski. And we landed a week ago in Denver, and we started driving out of Denver, and we saw the mountains and how glorious and majestic they are. And once again, I was hit afresh with God's creation and how amazing uh, this world is. And, and all week long, every time I walked out somewhere and I looked up, it was that fresh perspective of these amazing mountains. And I have a sister in that area, and she's lived out there 12 years, and and I've never been able to visit her. So I I spent a little time with her, and I walked out of her house and off their front porch and in their front yard, and I looked around, and and in front of me here was a big mountain. In front of me here was a big mountain. Behind their house was a big mountain. And I asked them, I said, do you ever get tired of this? And they're like, well, it kind of just becomes part of the scenery. And, And that's how life is. Um, where whether you live in, in near a coast or in the mountains or just your everyday circumstances, you pass the same businesses every day, but you probably forget about the signage and what, they, what it says. And you kind of just, the familiar becomes something that you get used to and, and really don't appreciate as much. And sometimes with the local church, because it is something that's a regular part of our lives, and rightly so, Uh, But it's something that's so familiar and ordinary in a sense that we lose the the value and the appreciation for it. But when we go back to the scriptures, the scriptures re-instruct our mind and help us to come back to the right conclusion that God loves his church and this is the center of his activity in this time and season. And so therefore, as God's people, we should value his church and the relationships that we have here in this place. And so as we walk through the book of Acts, we've taken time here at the beginning to really focus on the finished work of Christ. And that started when he came in his incarnation. He lived a perfect life of obedience and went to the cross, obeying the will of the Father, and he accomplished redemption through his blood that was shed. He conquered sin and rose again. And then uh, we have celebrated uh, some 50 days later, and, and talked about his ascension. And so we're so thankful for the finished work with both bookends, his coming and his going, of, of the work of Jesus Christ. And as he left, he said, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And when the Holy Spirit came, he established what we call the church. And so would you look in Acts chapter 2 with me, because we're going to kind of talk about the beginning of the church here uh, this morning. In verse 41, if you would look with me there, in Acts 2, right after Peter stood up and preached, and we will finish his sermon. I know some of you are, are you know, real careful about taking notes and 
as we look at Palm Sunday and the resurrection, we're going to include part of his sermon with that. So, but this morning in verse 41, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all, and anyone as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And they were praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day as those were being saved. So we have the beginning of the church here in this moment as the Holy Spirit has come. And our theme this year is the Empowered Church. And that started in this moment when the Holy Spirit came. And he came in such an amazing way with the sound of the wind and the visible demonstration of fire and the different uh, languages that were being spoken of the great and mighty deeds of God. All of these things indicating that the Spirit's presence had come, presence had come and that the, the now the church had been established as Peter stood up and preached and proclaimed bold, with boldness the good news of Jesus Christ and folks were coming to know Jesus in these moments. And so we have this forming of the church. And so we have here the opportunity this morning to just rehearse what really is a church. And that's where I want to start. Just very simply, what is a church? Right from the text, a church is a group of followers of Jesus Christ. A true group of people who follow Jesus Christ, who have given themselves to follow the Messiah. So you say, absolutely, that's a church. Well, the problem is, in church history, we have gotten away from that true, very specific definition to a very practical view of the church that we view the church as a building. In fact, how many times have, have you said to someone in your family, or I'm, I'm going to go over to the church, and what are you meaning? Well, I'm, you're probably meaning, I'm going over to the building. And, and really, the buildings have nothing to do with the church. I know throughout church history, the buildings got more significant and more important. And our text, as we just read, said sometimes they met in the temple, sometimes they were house to house. But as we went through church history, the actual structure became the focal point of the church and, and less about the people. When we had the opportunity to start a church down in Florida... There were different seasons of time where we didn't have a building. And in one of those seasons, we rented a gymnasium. And people sometimes would visit the church, meaning the group of people. And they would come in and, and they would make a comment or two of what their evaluation or thoughts were on it. And, and I remember at times, uh, people would say something like, one specific person said, When you get a church, we'll probably come back and visit you. Now, there's something really off about that, right? Because here's God's people all assembled together, worshiping the Lord. And their view of church is about a structure. 
And, and we have people in our day and age where they're on different sides of the spectrum. Some people would be on the spectrum where um, it has to be a very ornate church and a very, uh, very specific looking stage and, 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 a, and a very, the way the church building is laid out, it's very crucial to them. In our day and age, we have a group of people who would never even enter a church if it looked like this one because it's, it's too traditional. And, and they would view it as you know, more of, of, a, of a traditional type perspective. And, and, and so their form of worship would be very, very different. They wouldn't even come into our building. Still followers of Christ, but have a very different perspective on the actual building. The problem is, on either side of the spectrum... Right? We have people here that probably would say, oh, I would never go to a certain kind of church if it didn't look a certain way. The, the problem is with both ends of the spectrum is it's not biblical. What is biblical is the church is a group of people. If we were to go in different places of the world today, I've been able to travel to Africa, South America. You learn very, very quickly that the church is not about a building. Even in Asia, there's a lot more buildings, but it's not about the building. But somehow in the West, we, we got very tied to buildings. And so I want to just reiterate, once again, the church is not a building. The church is a group of people, as it says in our text, who were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were a group of saved individuals, those who had been born again by the power of the gospel, that started to gather together. It's not a denomination, the church is not a denomination. In fact, through church history, it actually developed to where the church was a specific denomination. So we, we have even the wrong approach that it wasn't even like all church groups. It was a very specific denomination that would call themselves the church. And again, getting away from the biblical definition of what a true church is. This is more on the, the practical side, but a church is not a social club. We must remind ourselves of that. We never get to the place where, oh, we, we've got plenty of people here, and, and, and we're all comfortable, and we're all doing well, and so we're good to go. We like each other enough where we stay together. and we No, this is not a social club. This is not really for us. We are for, here for God's glory, and we're here to share the good news of Jesus Christ with each other and with the world around us. So you have to constantly think correctly from a true biblical perspective. The church is not a reform school for young people. I'll meet people, and, and, and sometimes they've just had a child or their child's getting old enough, and, and they'll say, well, I want my child to be raised in the church. Well, what, what is that saying about their view of the church? Their view is, oh, church for me, I can take it or lose it, leave it. But for my child, oh, my child's got to be around it. It's not a reform school for church, for, for kids. And, and I think the longer you're in church, you realize, okay, if we have that view, then there's a huge problem because we have a mass exodus of young people leaving the church as a whole once they turn 18 or in their college years. So if it was a reform school for young people, it hasn't worked. Again, we don't think correctly about this institution that God has established here in Acts chapter 2, the living church of God, as it says in 1 Timothy. So, that's what it's not, okay? It's not just even a group of people with a common interest. It's a group of people 
followers of the person of Jesus Christ. He is our link. We are here for Jesus Christ. So, there's a little bit more in Scripture that helps us. Sharing a common faith. We see here they were committed to the apostles' teaching. And so there's this truth base that really brings the group together and defines it. That we believe in the good news of the gospel. What I explained a few minutes ago. That Jesus did come. He accomplished redemption. He rose again. And he ascended on high. That is the apostles' teaching. We, we believe the good news of the gospel. And we gather around that. We meet regularly. That's what God has asked us to do. So a group of people around a specific doctrine, meeting regularly, we want to make sure that we understand our purposes. We're carrying out the Great Commission. As we have uh, already walked through in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we know that, that Jesus said, when I go, then you are supposed to be my witnesses. And you're supposed to be my witnesses all around the world. So we're a group of people Around the specific uh, doctrine of faith, we meet regularly, but we have a purpose. Now, there's some other passages of Scripture, not here in Acts, that really kind of fill in some of the details. We organize ourselves around scriptural offices. We'll talk more about that next week. And then as well, observing the ordinances that we have baptism and the Lord's Supper also in the New Testament. And so, as a church, that's a very simple definition. And I want to just remind us, because sometimes it can get so familiar that we, again, lose the value in it and the appreciation for it. And as that song said, and hopefully our prayer is, that God would touch his people, us, once again, and bring us back to a place where we are, we are loving the word, we are loving his church, and the spirit is real and active, and we appreciate the spirit's presence in our lives, and it, it means something to us. We value it. It's important. Now, I want to talk from this passage and, and kind of do some extra things as well this morning. But what is a healthy church? What is a healthy church? And I think this passage explains very clearly that this is the time and season where God's church was the healthiest. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it. God established this group. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit had come. And they started just really seeing these unbelievable things happen. Now, what's crazy is when man got a hold of what God established through the years, it's started to break down. So what we see in this passage is really the goal that we should be striving for when we think about the church that God established if, and it's my opinion, but this is the healthiest season of time the church has ever been as it's described in Acts chapter 2. Even later in Acts, we see when, when man's opinions started to weigh in, there was division, right? Different perspectives, and that happens because we're people. We see things differently. We have different preferences. Sometimes in, in the book of Acts, God had to correct when it was like, no, 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 you can't think that way. And we're, Lord willing, going to talk about that. But when man gets their opinions and, and, and their ideas into what God has established, and we don't stay true to the word, it starts to have problems. And the health of the church really starts to diminish. And so we have to constantly go back to what is really, from God's perspective, what is really the main thing in a healthy church? And I would say, number one, it has to be centered around the Scripture, learning experiences with God's Word, which allows us to have exalting worship. 
Let's go back to the text. It says in verse 41 that the group was about 3,000 people. And what was happening? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They never got to the point where it was like, okay, I know the gospel, I know enough, I'm good to go. No, there was a continual, ongoing devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the scripture that they had up until this point. What we have now is even the full version of it. We have everything that God intended in special revelation. So as God's people, we take the following, we follow the examples, and what do we look for in a church? Well, are we having a regular experience with God's word? That is what he desires. Verse 43 says that they had this sense of awe. They kept feeling a sense of awe. That's where I get the idea of experience. Sometimes in our circles, we, we shy away from the idea of experience or feeling. We, and I don't know why we shouldn't do that because I want to go meet with my God on, on a Sunday morning and when I meet with him regularly. I want to feel like I'm close to him. And the scripture says that if we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. And so what was happening when they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching... What they were feeling was a sense of awe, this sense of amazement. And that's what we should be expecting and hoping for and praying for. When we come together as God's people, we want to meet with our God. And we want His Word to transform us. And we want it to then cause us to exalt Him in worship. Verse 47 says that they were continually praising God. Because this amazing experience that they were happening, that was happening in their lives. Think with me back to the time when you either became a Christian or maybe you grew up in the church, but God really got a hold of your life and you started to, for the first time, see value in the local church. You say, well, that really hasn't happened yet. I'm like, okay, there's a problem. We'll, we'll deal with that maybe in another time. But, but hopefully there's been a moment in your life where it's like, I love God's church. Like, I love the scripture, and I love seeing God work in my life, and I love seeing God work in other people's lives, and it is an amazing thing. That's how we should view and value God's church. Even in the ordinary. I realize it is an ordinary Sunday morning, and, and we're, you know, kind of in the ending the first quarter of the year, and it's, you know, some days it's cold, some it, it, you know, spring break comes at a great time, right? But with all of the, the regular experience of life, what we shouldn't allow is just our, our view of the church to diminish and really go up and down based on the season. So sometimes people get really hyped up about Easter, and rightly so, but why shouldn't we get hyped up about every Sunday? Because we want to have an experience with God's Word. And that's the, that's the focal point. It's the Word of God. It's the Apostles' teaching. First, verse Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, We are the pillar and we are the support of the truth. So it's Word-saturated. That's what gives us the feeling and the sense of awe. God is in my life. He is changing me. He is doing things in my friend's life, my, my loved one's lives. And I love and value His church. I want to just rehearse core values because 
I like to remind on a regular basis what our philosophy is. And I was mentored long ago, and one of my mentors said, say what you believe, say it over and over and over, and don't quit saying it. And so we rehearse who we are on a regular basis, at least once a year we try to. And so I thought this was appropriate in this time. The three core values that we kind of find based out of this scripture here at Calvary is we believe in God-centered ministry versus man-centered ministry. We don't approach life in the local church as what we get out of it, what, what we want as consumers. We need to approach life in the local church as what does God want from my life in regards to the local church. And so many times throughout church history, we've gotten this upside down. We think the church is here you know, for, for us, but we're here for the glory of God. That's what Ephesians tells us. And so we have to constantly go back to, why do we do what we do? Well, we want to approach everything from a God-centered perspective. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that when we look at His glory. Is, God, is God's glory our motivation for ministry? It's the why we would get up in the morning. And our measurement of success. Do we have success in life in regards to the local church? We only have success is if God is glorified from start to finish. And at any point, if we have robbed God of his glory, that's why we picked this song this morning, not to us, but to your name. All that we have done, it comes from you. Everything that we have accomplished, it's only by your grace. So we view the local church from a God-centered perspective. So we go to the scriptures and we say, God, what does your word tell us about the scriptures in regards to the local church? And from there, we glean what we should do and what we should be about. And it's from that perspective that we live. We don't go to man, and that was the downfall of the church growth movement a few decades ago. They started thinking, let's see what man wants. Let's kind of do our evaluation from a man's perspective. And let's do whatever we can to get people inside the walls. And whatever it takes to get them in, unfortunately, is what you have to keep them with. Because when people start getting disinterested, they just leave right back out. If it's not what God intended for his church to be, which is centered on the truth, then it's not sustainable. And so we have this core value here at Calvary that we don't say, what can the church do for me? It's, what does God want from me inside this place so that he can receive glory? Selfishness is very quickly identified in our hearts if we will do a real evaluation of how we view his church. Do we view it from a selfish perspective? Or do we view it as, you know what? I am here for God. I'm here for his glory. And I want to serve him. And I want to love him. And I want to honor him every step that I'm here. Number two, I would say a core value for us is we believe in people-oriented versus program-oriented. What is the difference? Well, it's, it's very important that we understand. It goes back to our definition of the church. We want people to understand that that's what we value here. Apart from this, you know, with the scriptures as the foundation, it's the people. It's the group of born-again believers. Programs are great, but they don't define a healthy church. So when you talk about our church, please don't talk about the programs first. 
please view it from a biblical perspective and talk about our church from, from that way, that it's the people of God coming together on a regular basis to have an experience with our God. Now, I'm thankful for programs. We've had many programs already take place. We have programs right now for our young people. And we start new programs. We started a grief share program this year, and that's great. But all these programs are only here to disciple people. So when there's a need, when there are people, and we want to follow our our commission that's given to us in Matthew 28, that we are to teach them all things, when we see that there's a group of people with a need, we try to facilitate the need, and, and programs develop along those lines. But we don't start out by saying, okay, let's start this program and this program and this program. And this. No. We want God's people to be learning and growing, and we evaluate every program to see how that best can happen. And when the programs stop working, we cut them. And that's a problem sometimes for people. They're like, well, that's the way we've always done it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we must be focused on people, not the programs. Programs facilitate discipleship. And the problem has been in churches through the years, the program becomes the end of it all and not discipleship. So, you can quickly be the place that has either the best youth ministry or maybe the, the, the best discipleship program. We started reengage that marriage program, and it's wonderful. And what I would love for you to do as you talk to people in the community, because we'd love to offer that to folks in our community, say, hey, we have a great way that you can grow in your marriage, and, and you should come check it out. Because it, it's not about the program. There's many, many programs. This is a good one, and we're thankful for it. But, but sometimes the, the actual program can overtake, the idea of the program can overtake what the whole point is. And the whole point is discipleship. And so we must be very, very careful, again, to go back to our core values, why we do what we do. Thirdly, we believe in process-focused versus event-focused. What do I mean by that? Well, when a person comes to know Jesus Christ, the process of sanctification starts to begin. What do I mean by, it's a big word, sanctification, what does that mean? It means to make holy. So when you come to Christ, you start on the journey of faith that will help you as you go toward the end and see Jesus face to face, he will eventually perfect. When we see him, we will be like him. But that whole process in between is what we call progressive sanctification. Now, what is so important about the difference in this two? Well, we can view many times these in ways that, that aren't biblical. I am for events. We have events on a regular basis. But sometimes the events can be the thing that we hang our hat on, so to speak, that we get real excited about. In fact, we had a church member in Florida, and I can, because of the recent events in this person's life, it, it's so crystal clear in my mind. But when this person came into our church in Florida, it was interesting, just a sweet, sweet person. But what I noticed quickly about her spiritual life was she would get so excited about any conference that would come to town, any concert that would come to our city. It was like those experiences were like where she really felt like she met God. And, and the way she would then talk, like, well, church is okay too. And, and how backwards that is. And, and throughout church history, even recent church history, it, there became 
seasons of time like that where people would view revival weeks as like that was the week where God was really going to work. We were going to bring an evangelist in and that person was going to have just a unique way to communicate the truth and God was really going to work. So they would pray all year for revival to happen in that one week. And again, I'm for special meetings and and I'm for conferences. I love those kinds of things. But we have to view them correctly. We have to believe that today, even though it's ordinary, it can be extraordinary because the Spirit of God is here. And an empowered church believes that day by day we can experience our glorious God. Not just in the special moments, and we love special moments. But we believe that when we came together today, that when we sang God, uh, songs about our glorious God and our Savior and how it's not about us, it's about Him, it's about His gospel, and then we look into His Word and we see, okay, I'm not where I need to be. I need to tweak some things. I need to change. I need to grow. Like, this could be really special even today because it's progressive sanctification. It's one step after another. And we have to hold to these core values. It's the why behind what we do. We stay anchored to God and His glory. He is our motivation and our measurement of success. We stay anchored to the biblical idea of a church. It's about His people, not all the things that can develop from the institution of a church. And the process in which we change is day by day when we encounter God's word. And even the special days, they're wonderful. We're thankful for them. But we believe that every Sunday can be special with God's people. So I rehearse this over and over because I would love for people when they're asked in our church, what's your church like? You could say things like this. You could say philosophy. That's built out of the scripture. Not, hey, we got this great thing to happen here and this good thing here. No, it's about the people of God and God's work in our midst. And we value it and we appreciate it. And so we continue to stay faithful to it. Number two, I would say from Acts chapter 2, we see on a regular basis there were relational experiences with other believers. And those, those relationships were edifying. What does that mean? They were building each other up. Look back in the text. Because in chapter 2, it says right after they were committed, uh, continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were also developed, uh, devoted to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Continuing on, verse 44. And all those who had believed... They were together, and they had all things in common. They had begun selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all and anyone who might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind, they were taking their meals together. This was a regular, ongoing experience with the new believers as they were a group. And I understand there's some significant things in this passage so I'm not telling you need to go home and sell your possessions and give them to to someone in the church who is less fortunate no in this situation if you remember as we talked about the initial context of the book you had a bunch of folks who had come for the feast of Pentecost from different regions that's why the different languages were spoke some 15 different regions of people who had descended on Jerusalem this new thing happened, and you have all these people here, and they were, some of them were in temporary means, and they needed people to step up and help. 
When you live in a, in a regular place that is very settled and society, you know, is, is kind of flowing as normal, it's a little different context. But I think the principle is a willingness to help each other in a time of need. But you have to know what's going on in someone's life to be able to know if they need anything. I was so thankful. Two weeks ago, we had a man in our church who came up after the message in tears in his eye. He said, you'll never believe what happened. He said, our family has been going through a hardship financially, and different things have caused that, uh, for that to happen. And, and there were two groups of people. There was a Sunday school class and a community group that on their own heard about the need. They, they gathered an offering together and gave this family over $1,000 totally organic in the church. And with tears on, he, he said, the church means so much to me. That's the idea of you have to be close enough with people. You have to have relational experiences with other people to know if there's any needs here. It's not just the responsibility of the pastoral team. We try to communicate, and, but, but it is important for every believer to be growing with other Christians. And when we grow together, we understand the needs that are here, and we pray for one another, and we help one another. But there were these relational experiences. If, if you just come in and come out, and you just kind of, that's your regular pattern, and, and you really don't interact with anyone, and you're not really involved in anyone's life apart from these moments when we're together, I think you're really missing a huge aspect of the local church. A healthy church has regular experiences with God's Word and regular experiences with other believers. We try to cultivate that here, which is why this year, thankfully, we're every month we're planning a new fellowship. We had our chili cook-off in January or February, and then we had um, our men's event in, in, in March there. Uh, this month and then next month, we're going to have our breakfast around Easter Sunday. And then in May, we're going to have a big cookout around Memorial Day. We're trying to cultivate opportunities where people will grow together. But it takes commitment on every individual to say, you know what? I got a lot of things going on in my life. I got a lot of responsibilities. I don't have much margin. But I think if we think what it, from a God-centered perspective, if we value his church, we will carve out some time in our life. For God's people. With all the responsibilities, there should be a heart to say, you know what? Certain things are important. And I'm going to prioritize God's people. The third one is witnessing experiences with the world, energetic outreach. Would you go back to the text, verse 47? It says they were praising God. And then this part here. And they were having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there was this, this growth that was happening that was natural. They were having favor because of this community aspect around this, the person of Jesus Christ and his teaching. There was this growth that was happening naturally where people were being added day by day to their assembly. Again, I, I, as I mentioned before, it's my opinion this is the healthiest season. I mean, you're talking a few thousand people get saved on a regular basis. I think this is the healthiest seasons, season of God's church. 
But the same power is there. We may not see thousands of people get saved, but there should be something happening in our lives where we are so excited about what God's doing in our lives individually and corporately that we're telling others and we're seeing other people come in and experience what we are experiencing. The love of God, the love that flows from God through our relationships, and we see this energetic outreach. It just happens because of what God is doing in our midst. And so as we kind of fast forward here, Acts chapter 9, verse 31, so the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria and enjoyed peace as it was being built up. And as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, what happened? It kept increasing. I love this passage. The peace was starting to be here because at this point, Saul has now been converted. And so the persecution had kind of died down a little bit. So they were experiencing peace. They were continuing in the fear of the Lord. Again, around the things that we're talking about and the scripture and who God is. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit was there and his presence and the church was growing. This is the healthiest season of time. But it sets for us the model and the goal for us. What do we want to strive to be here at Calvary? We want to be a healthy church. A healthy church grows. And we're not just talking numerically. We're talking about people inside the church growing spiritually toward their God and toward each other. That's the kind of growth that we want. We want to be a healthy church. In order to do that, we have to constantly evaluate our own lives. How are we we viewing the church? Is my view diminishing? Am I appreciating it as I ought? Or should I get more of a God-sized view of the scripture, of the church from the scripture? Like his view is really, really big. Like he really cares for it. It's called his bride. So for us to just treat it like, ah, take it or leave it, we, we've missed the biblical idea of the church. And then sadly, in Christian, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's so regular where you talk to Christians that say, you know what, I love the Lord, but I just don't like the church. I'm kind of done with it. I understand that people get hurt. It's hard Just this week, I heard the saddest story about a pastor who, in their friends of ours, they they were in one church at one point, and they switched to another church, and and they had to go back to the other church for a funeral of a family member. And they went to that church, and from the pulpit, in the middle of the funeral service, the pastor said, oh, and look who's back here. We have this couple, and they're back. Yeah, they used to be members here, but they left, and they didn't keep keep helping us pay off the building. In a funeral service. What? I I was so grieved when I heard that this week. That's why people say they don't like the church. Because they have pastors who hurt people. And I get it. And it happens. It happened this last week. I understand But that's why we cannot stay focused on man and a man-centered perspective. We have to stay focused on God and God's perspective. Yes, people will fail us. People are hypocritical. Pastors are messed up. 
But God stays the same. And His Spirit is upon His church. And the same power, some 2,000 years that started the church, is the same power that we have in 2022. And if we view it correctly, and we understand what God is trying to do, and we submit ourselves to it, we can see God do great things again. So our value and our view of the church should get bigger and bigger as we grow in our faith, not smaller and smaller. Now, I, I understand, like, I've given my life to this. It's really, really important to me. But, my friend, if you could just take the Scripture for what it is, when it says, we are the bride of Christ, and Jesus purchased his bride by his own blood, at that high cost, If we can take that and understand the amount of value that's attached to us today is infinite. The Messiah's blood that purchased us. God's view of not only Calvary, but every local church in our area that represents the Scripture well and across this world There is tremendous value. And when God's people say, ah, take it or leave it, ah, we've missed it. We've missed it. So, how do you view God's church? I'm talking to a group of people who I know you love God's church because you're here faithfully, right? But I want to see us continually stirred up, passionate about God and His work in this time and place. And I know what happens in my life, in every day, you become just accustomed to circumstances and, and the value of things. We remember it, but we don't practically really respond that way. But with a fresh look from God's Word, it takes our view of this, from this perspective, to this. Like, how can we not value His bride? So we desire to stay in the Word, stay in people's lives, and be faithful to giving out and telling others. I saw my buddy at the gas station this morning. We're starting to recognize each other. And I was teaching the college class this morning. I shared with them as well. I asked him, hey, bud, how you doing? Well, life will be better when I get off my shift. Like, all right. You'll see me next Sunday. Lord willing. But I can't wait to share with him at some point like the value of what I have in Christ and the value that I could expose him to here. It's like, what does he have in life to go home to today? We have each other centered on the person of Jesus. It's a glorious gift. And really, that's a byproduct. We enjoy the benefits of it, but it's really for God and his glory 
And that's why we were created. So I ask you, would you just continually allow the Lord to make your view of the church just expand more and more and more? Less about people and their failures and the hurts and disappointments and and more about God and his glory and what he's capable of. Would you bow with me as we conclude our time this morning? I understand familiarity and I understand how life can get really ordinary. But when it comes to gathering with God's people and worship, we got to fight against that. We must continually let our minds be renewed. And specifically in this area of the church, let the truth renew us. It's not about our feelings. Let feelings follow what we think. And we want to think biblically. And when we think biblically, we will feel right. We don't want to get those mixed up. So let's just constantly go back to what's, what is the church and why are we here? And what is, what is my place in it? You're valuable. God loves you. You're here for a purpose. There are people here in this body who need you. So let's think big about what, can do, what God can do in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Take a moment of just quiet reflection and then we'll sing it short chorus here in a moment. God, we were created for your glory. We exist for your glory. So Lord, help us to just day by day as we walk this journey of faith, keep running to the scriptures for those real experiences with you. Help us to keep running to your people. The temptation is to want to be isolated and live separately, but God, the healthiest part and point of your church, you saw great community, and that takes commitment. So God, would you help us to be a people who are committed to each other. God, help us to love the gospel so much that we want to share it. By your grace, would you just sovereignly work out our relationships and bring us people into our lives who you are working to bring to yourself and help us to be faithful. Lord, we love you We love your church. Please expand our view of it every time we come together. In your holy and precious name I pray, amen.